0: Whether it's for work or play, we rely on home internet so much these days. Being connected and staying connected has never been more important. So if you want reliable internet, bought you at speed, switch to Aussie Broadband. It only takes a few minutes to sign up and their 100% Australian-based support team are ready to help. Aussie Broadband, the actual Aussie way. Find out more at aussiebroadband.com.au. T's and C's apply. G'day guys, welcome back to Dylan Friends this week on the show. A good old friend of mine, one of my favourite people I've come across in footy and all-round legend Lockie Keefe. Lockie played for the pies, he plays for the Giants at the moment, but he's got an unreal story. Yeah, it really is like no other. Brisbane boy playing soccer in his early days and somehow ended up at the pies. And yeah, it was a pretty interesting journey. Like went from literally never kicking a footy before to on an AFL list in the in the span of, you know, 12 months, played even in some vaffer football whilst he was on an afl list playing for the pies throughout his journey, he's faced like a heap of adversity on and off the field he obviously had a fair few injuries with his acls and the way he bounced back from that he's just got an incredible attitude you know always focusing on the positives and and making sure he gets the best out of himself um in any aspect that that is but he obviously went through a tough time when he was dealt a, a drug ban um with another teammate as well which was obviously a really, really big story, and I'm sure you're aware of that one. And we definitely go into it. I can't thank him enough for his openness and honesty in that situation. And um, yeah, I think you'll be you'll be super impressed with how he's been able to bounce back from that one. But yeah, just love this chat with Lockie. He's he's an absolute legend. He he's off social media. He's a he's one of those guys that just doesn't read into things too much at all but as i said i'm super blessed to have have known him and, and wanted to get him on the show to have a chat so hope you enjoy it if you're not subscribed or following the podcast please do so if you're listening on itunes please subscribe if you're listening on spotify please follow it does help the show so much and also those reviews too guys thank you illy xx Hi fam, it's Dylan's mum, Deborah. This is Dylan Friends. I was like, you going to embarrass yourself? I was like, bro, do
1: you want me to do all seven verses? Bit arrogant, didn't know all yeah. seven. <laughs> I've been in a bad team for 10 years and we got a chance to do something pretty special this year. All you can do is put your hand up and say you're wrong. Banter is a way that guys connect, a way that we can kind of play it safe with someone until we get to know them. I try to fix people
0: sometimes, I'm like, Dan, stop doing that, just listen. And you stack on top of that the habit of not taking your phone when you take your dog, it's easy.
1: They had no other way to get out of the cave and we are the two. And our backs on them, in which case they're going to die, or we give this crazy idea a go. Don't forget
0: to subscribe
1: and leave a review. Lockie Chief, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me, mate. It's it, been a while. It's been a while. It's exciting. I remember sitting down listening to Josh Kelly's first one, and I thought oh, I might be next, but <laughs> not quite. A few episodes in, but um, pleasure to be here, man. It is. It's been, um,
0: it's been a long time, actually. And we have, well, let's go to that now because we have a funny story of how, not how we met, because we met. Probably nearly eight, nine years ago, with a mutual friend, Tom Bell. Yeah. Big Bell, um, when you were playing with the Pies. You used to live with each other?
1: Uh, not quite. He lived with Josh Thomas, so not just around the corner, but you were, yeah. you were around yeah, a lot. Yeah. And with Tom Young? Tom Young was floating around, not again, but in the, in the circles. Okay, so in, the, always, in that South Yarra circles. Yeah, they were yeah. always lounging around. And then, you know, we sort of
0: um, lost touch, and when we both. We're looking for new homes, new AFL clubs. I still remember this day and I think I've told the story a lot um, from my point of view. But I remember, you know, getting this call being like, can you be on a flight tomorrow? Um, you know, you're checking into the airport. You're going to go up to see GWS have a meeting with Leon. I was like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. Like, they're flying me up. This is cool. And I went to check in and as I checked in, I typed my name and then your name popped up as well. And I was like, oh, this is so embarrassing. Like they've put two people there looking at the same time. They might have double booked us. Like I thought that they had double booked us, but no, we're just both going
1: up together. Yeah, I remember sitting beside you on the uh, flight up because I was I was nervous. I was like, uh, we obviously just got got the ass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, got to got to impress to get a new job, you know. Essentially, and then you're there and you just you chew my ear off. It's great, actually. I'll probably chew your ear off. Oh, it, man, we were
0: both nervous. But I still remember that day. I think um, Deal Addison picked us up from Sydney Airport. We flew. We drove out to sydney olympic park which i'd, I'd really rarely done sydney before and it was like in amazement i was just like where the fuck are we going like this is unbelievable but i still remember that day to a tee and um
1: yeah it was a, it was a scary time what do you remember of that like i i dill picked us up and then he did the little tour of um the west connects center there yeah and it's slightly different to the um the holden center or the what is it now the a aia center or whatever it is um uh which is you know Decked out to to the nines, <laughs> and I remember asking him one stage, I was like, "Where's the pool?" And he's like, nah, "No, no pool." I was like, "Yeah, I don't need that. Don't need nah, that. that don't do. not for it. me anyway." But <laughs> um, but it was um, no, it was it's it's quite interesting because nowadays I talk about um, I live in Surrey Hills, not far from the SCG, and I, I was like, well, "It'd be nice if I could just sort of roll over to the SCG and you know have a run around." But obviously uh, enjoy my time at the Giants and wouldn't wouldn't have it any other way. But it is um, you know, it's, it is it's not West West, but it's it's not. Jake Stein, Penrith West, but no. it's it's West. It's West, but it's
0: beautiful. We love West is best, as they say. It's funny with um with the Swans, and I don't want to harp on this for a while, but they like a lot of the Giants guys. We all play out West. We you guys play out West, but we all lived in the East. Whereas right, we we, we, we like a lot of us would live a kilometre from the SEG, and then all the Swans guys all live
1: south, ages away from the SEG. I always found that so weird. Mm. I remember when i was at the, um you know back at the pies days it was i was living in south yarrow there as we said just near um uh boys grammar and it was like a 10 minute walk
0: mm.
1: and i thought oh, i'm not going any further than this you know I, I actually bought a place in elwood and i was like too far away i'm not with him there that's that's silly and then now it's it's a good 45 minute stick to the uh to, to where we train but um it gives me time to listen to the podcast man so uh or well, it used to be and now Matt DeBoer moved into the Surrey Hills crew and so we um we share rides all the time and we just we just talk a lot of shit together oh, and yeah. um and uh and my time's sort of taken away from the podcast a little bit but I I try to delve in as much as possible listen to Maxie's one on the way here. It means a lot because you are an elusive
0: man when it comes to like social media really. Like, you've been off socials for 3 4 years now. Like you, you you're pretty much completely cut off from social media, would you say?
1: Uh oh! I
0: I'd, I'd have Twitter. I yep. do. I, I don't. That's weird because that's like the worst platform to be on. Really. There's some
1: units on there. Like, there's some interesting <laughs> characters. Why would you be and... on Twitter? No yeah, one goes on Twitter. Yeah, I I just felt like I was spending way too much time on. The, and there was a lot of rubbish on Facebook. I don't know how what it's like anymore. If I don't people, think we anyone do goes it, on but Facebook. That's a good most. point. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Instagram is you should just spend a lot of time. And I see bikes at the club now. TikTok. You just oh, they're mate. just flicking fingers, man. Yeah. It's like oh this hours you go by and you'd see a whole lot of crap but um yeah twitter that you can get pretty deep in twitter i use it more as like a news feed and like an information feed hmm. i don't tweet a whole lot i just retweet up some bits and pieces that i think are cool and most of the stuff that's pretty boring but um yeah that's, that's the only really social media i got and which is you know i like to, i like to think i'm more a face-to-face kind of person but i do miss out on like birthdays and that kind of stuff that was what facebook was usually yeah used for um, mate, the
0: reason I want to get you on today is because I love you. You know that. Thanks, man. And Mutual. I love everything you're about. You're an incredible person. Um, when I think of you know people I've played with, and I think of like their stories, and you know because sometimes I look back at my story and I was like, fuck, you know, I probably could have tried harder because I was faced with this, but also you know I was unlucky. But then you go to you and you're like a person that's had a similar career, but you've always come out better the other end. So I really admire the way you've been able to do that. um, so, and, and I think the story is not well known. I don't know anyone who would know, maybe know that. So today, that's why I want to get on a show to sort of talk about your journey through the AFL and, and probably just, you know, what you've learned through life. I, I still think you're like 27, but aren't you like 36 now? So like, how yeah. old are you at the moment?
1: I get that a little bit actually <laughs> yeah, at the club. All the boys think, you know, oh, you know, is only 27. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Yeah. Like I feel like you probably get to a certain age where it's like, you know, everyone thinks you're a bit younger. It's like that's great, but everyone, I feel like, you know, that maybe I'm being bit mature. But um, <laughs> I'll be 32 in a couple of weeks, April. So um, I'm now. I think I think Matt DeBoer's the oldest. He's he's got a month on me, and then Wardy's got a week on me, and then it's myself. So uh-huh. I used to laugh at those guys like um, Heath and Shane Mumford, who, who he would still be running around if it wasn't for his body. But um, he loves the cash, man. That bloke. Oh, he loves uh, the cash. And um, so you know, I'm, I'm one of those uh, those older statesmen now, but um, you know, it's, it's still refreshing. I still really love you know getting to the club, getting around the boys and and learning off a lot of guys you know con- continually learning you know like these young guys have coming in now and it's a little bit different than when I first started mm. but um, you know they give me a lot of energy and and I, I still love the grind I still love getting in putting the work and getting better basically. Mm. All right let's go back to the start then because uh,
0: like I said your story is really like no other and I mean that when I say that because you're a Brisban boy soccer background. Drafted to the Pies as a Category B
1: rookie, and played your first couple of seasons in the Vaffa? Yeah, yeah, pretty <laughs> roundabout. The so so I grew up in um, in Gimpy, which is a couple hours north of Brizzy, and then went to boarding school in, in Brisbane. Um, played soccer all, all, all my life, a um, bit of touch footy, tennis. My mum was a tennis player, um, but, but like all kids, doubled in just about every sport you could. You could um, you know. Any excuse, to pretty much, get out of homework or, or you know any kind of schoolwork. But um, um, and so yeah, off to boarding school. Um, in year ten, because I was a bit of a shit. Um, dad was like, "Oh, it's probably time." Um, that's what happened to him. He got shifted off to boarding school when he was about the same age. So, off I we went to Brizzy, big rugby school. Um, still played soccer. Didn't really fit in with the rugby. I played one game of rugby, broke my knee, um, broke my nose, got head butted, and did my hammy. So I was like, "That's probably not for me." That, that- Union or league. Union big big union school. John Eels was it was the John Eels um, grandstand, the Matt Hayden scoreboard. So there was some big names, um, me not being one of them. But we I used to play soccer and we were tucked away in this corner of the school. We get about you know twelve parents to the game, yeah. and all you could hear was the roars of the first fifteen. You know playing in the afternoon, so they'd get like two or three thousand to a game because they get the old boys and quite a bit of a tradition. So I was. Um, I was quite the opposite playing playing soccer, but I had a couple of mates who were boarders who were right into AFL. And um, so that was sort of my first taste of AFL. And at the time when I was going through um, sort of those high school, early high school ages was the Lions were doing their three-peat. So you sort of, there was a bit of, you know, an idea of how it all worked, Mm. but not really too much love for it. Um, I was always always still soccer and um but um, these boys got me into it, and there was an opportunity to play, um, you know, school f- um, school AFL, and it was on a Monday afternoon. And the only reason I said yes is because you get, you know, last the last um, class on a Monday, or you get off because you're getting on the bus mm. and you got to get down. I was like, oh, "Yep, that's me." And so I had a bit of a run around, and just being sort of the height I was, and um you know slightly athletic um it's you know sort of rubbed off on me a little bit and it, but it was it was it was still very interesting because you had a lot of rugby boys just running around trying to bash each other essentially yeah. hundreds getting it to give away 150 at one stage one of the games got called off because it was all in brawls um I got caught in the middle of it. I didn't I don't I'm, I don't like fights aren't for me man like and I got I got I got walked <laughs> walloped at one stage and I got I got thrown in on it so we got 60 out of tensions on Sundays and anyway it was like I said it was a bunch of rugby guys trying to you know run around and show them some masculinity but um uh took a liking to it and and um and you know I, I got these two mates that um I uh, you know still keep up up with um one's a spawn supporter one's a freer supporter and and uh so they got me into it early days and um uh I mean like that that was the start of it and then I I um Similar to Nick's story, actually, when, when he got um, called by the Collingwood. I, I did a couple of trial um, sessions um, just with some rookie academies down in um, Brisbane. And I remember getting a call from Derek Hine. Um, and being at boarding school, like, prank calls were rife. Like, mm-hmm. it was just on for young and old. And and the boys had got caught a bit of a wind that I'd do some trials and all that kind of stuff. And here's a call from Derek Hine, which I thought was one of the boys. So I just completely ignored it. Anyway, um, he's called me back, you know, a day later going, you know, have, you know, did you get the call essentially um, and then ended up going down there for a bit of a trial, um, did a few things with them and then one thing led to another, um, you know, through some a- the IS programs and, and all that jazz and was able to end up at the Pies as a Category B rookie and you know, I didn't go through the draft process because I hadn't played before. So, um, you know, he's this 80-kilo 80, 80 kid who's, you know, same height as I am now, 6'8". And, <laughs> Hit, hit, you know running into training i'm like what am i doing here i didn't even know the rules i didn't know like i had no idea was generally no idea i think there was a bit of like i said a little bit of athletic ability but no no idea of what was going on really
0: and who was who was coaching at that stage and who were some of the players that you sort of had maybe if you even had known any we like going oh fuck now i'm teammates with these with these dudes
1: yeah so it was a bit of a crash course early like obviously you know the big names like your Nathan Buckley's and these types but bucks had um bucks had retired um, the year before. Um, you still had your Scott penner Dale Thomas's, mm. these types. So Mick was the coach at the time. Um, but I was sort of um, joined at the hit with Alan Richardson, um, who was our development coach. And um, I actually still remember um, Brad Scott was there as our midfield coach the first year I was there. And uh, essentially, I wasn't allowed to train because he was like, you're not big enough. Like he'd, he's this... So he's. I was just doing two days in the gym, so one in the one in the morning, one in the Arvo, on some interesting diets. I don't know if the nutrition coach would get a pass these days, but I was eating whole chickens, just some real sort of archaic, archaic stuff. And so that was for the first, you know, three months of preseason. I was basically in the gym, just doing yeah, my um, no training. Not well. I did some stuff with Alan Richardson, just like one on one, essentially, just basic skills. And then we just watched a lot of vision because, again, I got to learn the rules, learn how to play, you know. And so, like, um, as the year unfolded, we'd go to, like, like I would go and watch Friday Night Footy wherever it was at the game and he'd just say, watch this player rather than watch the game. I'd play on the Saturday. Then we'd go Saturday night, go, you know, go and watch another game then Sunday afternoon, if we'd had any energy left, we'd go and watch another game. So I was watching multiple games you know, a weekend just to learn how to play essentially.
0: Yeah, that's actually such a good point. I forgot that we even – like I did that once or twice. Should have done it a lot more. Probably <laughs> yeah. would have helped me. But for any kids – like kids always – or you know, anyone always messages me saying like what maybe do you wish you did more of? And I reckon that's actually something – is such a good point. Is like actually going to a game – and not watching the game like watching players that you want to play like. Mm. I remember I did it like three times and I got so much out of it. Then just never did it again.
1: Yeah. So you sort of latch onto those guys at, at training that you think, oh, this 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 is the guy that trains hard, or this is the guy that you know you want to be, or mm. like, or this guy understands how what it takes to to become a, a you know proper AFL bona fide player. And so Pendles was the one early, like he was the one that was doing the extra touch sessions. Like so, you just sort of. Not that I play like Scott Pennerby, but mm-hmm. like he he would go. I remember he would go early days. One of my first ones we went and watched was Saint Kilda, and he he used to love Nick Del Sano, and so he'd just watch Nick Del Sano. And you can see the similarities to a certain extent. I don't even know if he was a Saint supporter early days, but um, you know, he would watch him. And then you know there'd be s- certain ones at the time I was training as a ruckman, and so yeah, again, Richo um, Gavin Brown was there as well. We'd we'd go and watch these games. And he'd go watch so and so, or when we we're watching our games, watch Josh Fraser or. Um, you know, the, these types. So, um, you know, and that was just a way to, again, learn how to plot, like learn the rules, but then learn how to, you know, what it takes to be a player mm-hmm. at an AFL level and, you know, the skill sets and all that kind of stuff. So putting a lot of work early days, like a lot of hours. Um And then because I wasn't officially on the list in my first year, I graduated in 2007 and come January... um Oh eight, I was I was at the club, um. So it was sort of like a quasi year not on the list. I would um. I was working at the club as well, so I'd train and train in the mornings and then work there all afternoon. Doing what? Oh, whatever, whatever they like, whatever they had for me, really like merchandise shop, a little bit of sponsorship. I I was coding games for players, that kind of stuff. Um. So that was that was interesting. Fuck. Oh, um. That like it's like extremely humbling. From like a beginning, isn't it? Like as in a lot of people wouldn't do that. Yeah. Well, it was sort of, I think it was more uh, legally they couldn't, because I wasn't a list, they couldn't pay me as a player. Right. And so I had to work essentially to get paid. Um, And we were lucky enough in the first year, we had like a first, Collingwood had a first year house. um, And at the time it was, you know, free rent essentially free food or there was like a budget and so here's here, here i am i've never like my the only work i did was a bit of you know the paper on with my parents who owned a news agency you know like and so i didn't really work the day of my life you know just did school all the way through and then here's a 17 year old kid making you know more than you know he's ten dollars a week pocket money and so I was just like, I'll do whatever. I, I had no idea that there was any other way, essentially. And I remember some of the boys at home would be like, "What are you doing that shit for?" I'm like, "Oh, well, let's just get told to do it. I'll just do it." You know, like that's how it worked. But um, yeah, I just felt like it, at the early days, I spent hours at the club, hours. Yeah, and then, as I, as you alluded to, I played a little bit of AFA. Um, uh, essentially, I was I wasn't good enough to play VFL. I was just yeah, nowhere near. And then I went. And Jeff Walsh at the time who was the GM of footy he's his sons uh, a couple of his sons um, played at Old Trinity in the Vafa so I went down there and, and um, spent a bit of time down there and and I think halfway through a year I got dropped from the the, the seniors at Vafa and they weren't that good either like they were they were <laughs> A grade but it was like bottom three and so they were going to get relegated I think they got relegated in the end and so I was just running around like I had this chuck down there again trying to learn how to play footy um got dropped to the 19s and end up we ended up winning the 19s Premiership which was which was quite funny I got, the, I got the medal somewhere around there <laughs> but and then that was and then this, that was towards the end of the season and then I was lucky enough through the AFL gave us gave me permission to play like the last three games of the VFL season. I remember my first game um Kadinia Park uh absolute pouring rain. And here I am, in the rock. It's Trent West and Shane Mumford. Oh, I think I had, I think I had one hit out and three touches for the game. <laughs> and at one stage, I tried to don't argue, Shane Mumford. He ate me alive, man. He, oh, I was, I got pretzled hard. Did he remember like, this? Is did not did he remember me. that when you came uh, back? No, I've I've mentioned it to him before, and he just sort of giggles and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think you know. I don't remember. I I definitely remember it, but he, uh, yeah, he, man, he ate me alive, and then I was just like this is probably not for me, this stuff, you know, like I'm clearly not up to it. And I'm thinking they probably don't think I'm up to it as well. Then you know, I, I can't even remember the last two games, but I think I, I played all right in the last two and somewhat deserved or they saw enough in me to give me another year. But um, yeah, it inter- interesting first year. I did, you know, when I, I, and I also played a little bit of um, early in the year. I only just remember now, but I was playing, uh, I ended up playing for Queensland so I was I went back and played Sunny Coast Power because I was from Sunny Coast. Played a, this is pre vafa Yeah. Um, and then end up playing in the state champs with Queensland. There was Div Two state champs at the time. This is before Allies. Yes, yes, yes. And so I ended up playing with guys like, um, you know, Dave Beams, Charlie Dixon, Zach Smith. We actually had a quite a good team, but we got we got we got smashed every game. Mitch Robinson's running around for Tassie. Um, you know, it was it was, it was quite. funny. this.
0: Yeah, I remember. Like this was when Gold Coast. This is when starting, the Gold Coast was yeah. starting to do their thing,
1: yeah. and so all those guys end up rolling into the Gold Coast team. I actually played against the Gold Coast in TAC Cup uh, when they were. At oh Gold yeah, Coast yeah, when when Gold, yeah, yeah, when their first year. Yeah, yeah, super scary. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, I did just about everything in my first year. Worked at the club, yeah. played, you know, local footy back home. You know, VFL Vaffa. It was I travelled the world essentially. It doesn't actually surprise me at all here. I
0: knew a little bit of that. I didn't know ninety percent of it, but you don't and it's one thing that's a credit you is you don't have an ego like do you think that that sort of held you in good stead i think it it obviously has
1: it was definitely ingrained in me by my man like Mm -hmm. that's that's the way he operates and and so you you get the um you know you see it you see it happen every day you see it unfold so you you know you naturally gravitate you know you're probably a bit just as much like your old man you probably don't even know it you know like Mm um although i was a bit of a shit at school i ended up um um, like I said, I I was I was high school in Gympie and had every intention of graduating there, and then just was a bit of a thought I was too cool for school kind of thing. I wasn't wasn't highly intelligent guy. I was you know I was a C student, you know B C student uh, if I was lucky. Um, bit of a smart ass and then had a bit of running with a couple of teachers that, you know I wasn't fans of, and they probably weren't fans of me. But and then and then dad thought you know best to ship him, not ship them off, but uh, off to boarding school yeah. to some learns you know, a few things and when i got there it was a bit of an eye opener because i was no i was sort of a nobody again oh, i didn't have any friends i didn't yeah. it was i was just like yes sir no sir um and so that was that was a humbling experience and um that taught me a lot of you know you yeah, a lot a lot of good things um you know how to act as a, you know just a human being towards people and respect and all that kind of stuff and and i wasn't a you know going to get suspended kind of guy but i was i was a bit of a bit of a smart ass and and that Definitely put me on the straight and narrow. And, um, you know, I think, you know, if I didn't leave Gympie and go to Brizzy, then there wouldn't have been an opportunity to do the footy. And uh, it's funny how it all snowballs and how, you know, you get to the point you are, you know.
0: Yeah. When did it all change for you at Collingwood? Was there a, like a moment you go, fuck, like, maybe I can actually do this?
1: Yeah. So it took, a, like, it was funny because like all the way through, um, you know, you think, you look at, you know, a certain player and you go, geez, I could do it. I could do that, but I, I probably couldn't do that. And so, you know, there was, it was a bit of a slow burn. Um, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, you know, overnight success and all that. I didn't play until I was 21. I think it was my th- third, it was essentially my fourth year. Mm. Um, and so, it took a bit of time for me to sort of, you know, get up to scratch to play AFL footy. Um, I played a lot of rock early days and then I, um, uh, I talked about uh, Alan Richardson being my... Um, development coach and then he ended up going to Carlton um, doing some line coach then I had it uh, Luke Beveridge as, as my next development coach and he taught me how to play backline um, he had an interesting way and you can see how the dogs play now with you know being aggressive positioning all that kind of stuff and he taught me how to, how to play backline essentially he was the one that sort of was like oh you are probably Ruck's probably not for you <laughs> And then, uh, so you have a crack at the back. Leon's line. still not; he does, still doesn't listen to those. Well, yeah, I was, <laughs> it changes his mind every week. But um, so the uh, yeah, so he ended up teaching me how to play back, back on, and and so um, started to play some pretty good footy. But then the pies were getting pretty good at that stage. Like 2009, I think we lost in an elimination final against um, St Kilda, and then obviously 210 panned out the way it was. And I was playing some pretty decent ball, but we were obviously a good good team still a rookie um and so didn't really get the or didn't get the opportunity and then didn't debut until sort of oh, around 15 in 2011 or mm-hmm. whatever it was and it was end up end up being a forward forward ruck that's because chris doors got injured and i was sort of that that next tall i guess but um geez playing in those teams were pretty interesting like that that was that was hard to be no good at footy in that team like their ball yeah. got kicked to you and um, you know, the, you were just one. Of, I think my first game we won by one hundred and twenty points against North and the wet. Like that team was just operating in all cylinders at the time, and it was yeah. good fun to be a part of. Like,
0: what do you remember from that team? Like, what sticks out the most playing in such a like as we said, Collingwood was super dominant then. Mick Moldow's coach was he still coach then, or was that yeah, the transition
1: yeah. of Buckley? That was his last year. Two eleven was his last year. Yeah. So yeah, obviously I was part of two ten, like obviously training on it and um, you know, being part of the squad. Um, Mick had this funny thing where you get to finals. And oh, yes. he would he'd pick a, um he'd he'd pick a final squad. So you knew you you're at and Keefe didn't make their cut for the two thousand ten final squad. So explain that because
0: I've been not on this cut as well. Yeah, this is like yeah. at the end of the year there's a grand final, obviously twenty two play, you have normally have twenty seven maybe as a list, like a squad go into it, but then they might have thirty or thirty two that train as a squad and the rest of the ten or thirteen people they just go
1: home and they finish for the year yeah essentially so like at the time I think we had like 47 players on the list yeah and then it just got to finals and the twos um, didn't make finals and he just went well Dill you can go on holidays Kiefer you can go on holidays <laughs> look around and see you later and so like he just cut it down to about 30ish yeah <laughs> and and which is crazy when you
0: think about it. hilarious
1: hilarious he just he was like well i don't want you to fuck up training yeah essentially and so everyone else was just you know and smooth you know training would be you know humming and you know do you know how much that meant to me though
0: when because that was my only finals experience i'd had before getting to the giants and i just had to go home and it was never a part of it and then when we came to the giants i remember you know we didn't win the grand final but we was I was so a part of that week. I felt like I was nearly the most important person, just to yeah. get the morale
1: up for everyone. Like yeah. we, I
0: was still out there the whole time.
1: Yeah, it was uh, that was a great experience, being part of the, obviously it. Obviously, didn't work out the way we wanted it, yeah. but just being a part of that week was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like I was even I got to get in the car with was in the parade. I was like, how good is this? <laughs> even though I got berated by all the all the um, Richmond units, but um, no, it was funny. Like yeah, so two ten, I didn't make the squad, and then end up come back for the grand finals. You know, like. The drawn and then mm-hmm. come back for the again and the week later. So that was interesting. And again, I just know, knew no. I thought that's just how it worked. Two eleven on the flip side. I played in my first couple of games. Played, I think, I played five and then got dropped for finals. Dorsey came back. You know, took his spot back and that was how you know, how it worked. But um, I, I, I did make the finals squad. But even then, it was like, all right, you guys go over the side, do some lane work for forty five minutes. Yeah, and us 22 will do our thing you know like and so that was quite funny but it was awesome to be a part of because that's when the pies were humming and you get you were getting like five or six thousand people to train it like it was just it was crazy mental oh, but um yeah good, good good fun those those um grand final experiences were great the next few years you sort of put yourself to staple in the team um you actually in the leadership group as well what year was that Oh, I just couldn't even tell you what year that was. Um, I did, yeah, I spent a year in there. It was it was Pennell's first year as, as skipper. Yeah, which in, in itself is an incredible feat, as we know your story now, to go from that to being in
0: the leadership group does say a lot about your character.
1: Yeah, well, I think it was one of those ones where the leadership group was like, you know, eight or nine. Yeah, okay. I mean, sort of, Don't you you it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I did, I, did, I did feel like I have some, um, you know, some good characteristics um, to be a leader. Like there's, you know... There's leaders aren't in one mould, but I feel like I've got some, um, again, yeah, some good characteristics to provide to, um, you know, as, as part of the squad. But um, yeah, that that was a bit of an eye opener as well. Like that was Pennell's first year mm. um, uh, as captain. Bucks was really, um, you know, trying to put his stamp on um, how we wanted to play and what the squad looked like, and um, you know, post the Mold House, um, you know, era. And so that we um and you know we went from you know grand finals and then start to slowly you know slip not off the cliff but um you know just going backwards slightly so that was yeah it was interesting just to have those conversations be in those conversations with you know the for lack of a better word the big boy conversations you know and you're across you know information that you won't you wouldn't other otherwise be privy to and it just felt like you had to give more to the team and 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 um you know come out of yourself more but that was a good experience and um you know Pendle's you know was in there and then you had guys, still guys like Luke Ball and Nick mm-hmm. Maxwell was still part of the leadership group and just impressive, you know, leaders you know, that you can, you know, learn off basically.
0: Your career is looking really good. Obviously, from where you've come from, you're in the leadership, you're playing, you know, consistency in your footy. Um, you know, unfortunately, you go down with a knee. Was that at the end of that year? Yeah,
1: so um, 2012, I played the first nine games and um, we had uh, Ben Reader was injured um Nathan Brown got injured yep. and it was a sort of a next man up sort of again set up but I felt like I was playing good footy um for those first nine rounds and then did my knee over in um, Adelaide at the old um, Amy Park there mm-hmm. um and then obviously missed the rest of the season but um yeah that was that was disappointing because I was, you know felt like I was getting going that was my first sort of action of well you know consistent action in, in the senior side um and then was able to come back the year after you know, around, I think 12 months to the, well, it was 12 months to the day that I came back and played in the reserves. And then I ended up bruising my kidney pretty bad, it was like slight laceration of the kidney. Um, So I just spent obviously 12 months in the gym trying to get, you know, big enough. And as I said, I was like this skinny, I've always been this skinny kid. And so I got to a decent size. I think I got to about 104 kilos and then hurt, I played on Dennerher when he was playing at the Bombers that day and then, Right at the end of the game, just fell on his leg and innocuous hit. And I, sp- I spent the next week in hospital. Wow. Then I got back down to a 94 kilos, So I was pretty flat. I lost 10 kilos and then you know, it took me a couple of weeks to get going again. But then I was en- ended up getting back in the team for the for, you know last part of the season and played the last eight games or not 10 games or whatever it was. Uh, and then rolled over into the next year, which I... Th- um, so that was my leadership year, I'm pretty sure. And then the next year um, after that, we... I didn't get picked for round one and then Nath Brown hurt his shoulder again, I think. And then I was able to play like 18 games from there. Mm. Um, and so starting to get a bit of a roll on, um, starting to feel part of it, you know, um, bit of continuity, um, never, never feel safe or never feel like you're a finished product, but, um, you know, starting to understand how the game worked and felt more comfortable at that level. And then pre-season the next year, Bucks gives me a call and was like, um, we're thinking about going to pay a forward ruck. And so I'm like, here we go. try to wrap my head around that. And then I played the whole season, pre-season um, as a forward ruck. And then that was when I got the tap on the shoulder or I was knocking the door at 6 o'clock in the morning from uh, from the guys from Masada. So that was that, was that pre-season that season and then one thing they do another and who you know 2 years later <laughs> spent a bit of time out of the game fuck so for those who maybe don't
0: know the story are you happy to go into it you give us a bit of a rundown of, of what that story is and going to yeah go no into it? Yep. yeah have go you spoke
1: it. about this publicly before uh oh i'm yeah i'm i, I don't know, know about for- publicly cuz yeah. i haven't really like a uh, um i just probably have had the forum but i'm happy yeah. to tell the story like yeah. it's not not hiding anything i think everything got played out you know to a certain extent in the media anyway yeah I don't know it was a week before the season started and we went out um a few boys I, I was injured at the time i hurt my calf and um the so i was driving we'd had a um like a club function at the um i think it was brunswick bowls club end up driving a few boys home um from there at whatever time and end up going to bed and then i get i'll get, get a knock on the door at six o'clock in the morning or whatever it was um and i'm like i'm not answering that and it was just constant beating i was like here we go and uh get the front door and a couple of guys in suits and i'm like half asleep still um the boy those guys roll in and they're like oh from masada i'm like oh here we go i haven't done one of these before you know one of those home tests that Mm. you hear about um you know get him a drink of water, you know, sit him down. You know, I got this tiny little apartment. I don't even, I got a, you know, he's sitting on the couch. He's sort of sitting on this makeshift chair. Or, and then he starts rolling out. He's like, so you've um, tested positive to, oh, I couldn't even remember what he said, but, um, clenbuterol in the end. And, um, I was like, oh yeah, well I haven't. <laughs> I, so is this straight after the test or was this a test that you had earlier? No. So the test was about, the test was th- like a three months earlier. Right. So this was ages ago, the test. Yeah. So it I can't remember the ex, uh, exact dates, but it was about a month or two, maybe even three months. At the club? At the club, yeah. yeah right. And so, um, test was done. Um, yeah, didn't think, like, yeah. people get tested all the time, didn't think any of it. And
0: to probably give context in that, too, because I'm just remembering this now as well. There's two different tests that we do. Yeah. One's illicit, one's water, which is like yeah. anti doping. That's a more serious one where they actually, you know, watch you like piss out of your. Genitals, yeah. like they you literally have to you know show them your dick and you actually do it, yeah. Um, and that one's for you know Wada, Asada, and the yeah. other one is just for like a Dorovich AFL illicit
1: drug test, yeah. So you, they also do like, um, they, do, they, could, they take blood samples Bloods, sometimes, yep. sada and Wada, or Asada, which comes under the Wada um banner, but um, and Dorovich is the other one that does, does the illicit um, drug test ones. And so they're, yeah, pretty constant, you know, every random, every couple of weeks they're in there you might get done, you know, once every two or three months or whatever it is. I remember
0: when they used to come to me, I was like, mate, if I'm on performance
1: dancing drugs, I've got serious yeah. problems right now. Why do you get my money back yeah. for whatever, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, yeah. so so I get this knock on the door early in the morning and then they run through the whole rigmarole of like you've tested positive and then at the time I was like, I was so frazzled that I I was like, well, I haven't and so you got that wrong. Yeah. So I've, I end up calling um, Neil barm at the time was the GM, and I'm like, oh, so these guys are rocked up, and they're telling me that I'm, you know, positive, and I'm like, oh, well, I haven't, and he's he's going, oh shit. And then so I have to, I, you know, I, I was like, oh, I'll come to the club. I have to hand my phone in, and even then, I just wasn't. I was so early in the morning, and I just had no idea what was going on. I just wasn't thinking straight. And then, um, they're like, oh, do you know where, uh, do you know, do you know where Josh Thomas is? i was like, oh, I assume he's at home somewhere. And then, so I ended up. They're like, "Oh, can you show him, Show me where he lives." So I ended up driving them around to Joshy's house. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry. They go, he's not at home. I was like, "Oh, he might. He might be at his girlfriend's house." And so I ended up driving to her house because they live just around the corner in Turacks. So of, and even then, I'm like, "What's you know, like, what's going on?" It. I just had no no real grasp of you know the magnitude of what was happening get into the club and Barmy's like, oh, ask me a couple of questions and I'm trying to put it all together. And I'm like, because they give me dates like, you know, what'd you do on this time and what'd you yeah. do on that date? And I was like, I don't know what I did yesterday, man. Like, I, I got no idea. And then um had to hand my phone in as well. So they had, you know, this post the um, the um whole incident thing too. So yeah. they, um the government had given Asada all these powers to, you know, take things. And you know, so they're they able to take my phone and one thing they do another. And, and then I'm just sitting there. And then it all started to hit me like, oh, okay, I, I might know the train of, you know, what happened and all that jazz. So then I'm just sitting in my room. I'll, I'll go, So I drove home after that, just waiting for my phone to get home. I don't know what to do. I was just sitting there. Um, and then a few people had caught wind at this stage and then a couple of the boys had come over. And my manager was there. Josh, he was, you know, he's come around after. They eventually tracked him down. and And so it all just sort of hit me. And then it was like, pretty quick transition from like telling the club you know talking to the club talking to barmy talking to my manager and then all of a sudden it was like well we we're probably going to need a lawyer here and then so we end up um uh teaming up with one of the guys who who had had some experience with the essenden saga Mm. and then it was like um basically it was like trying to keep the all the information to yourself or not to yourself but like let's try to keep it in house so we can control this to a certain extent so then I had just almost no um communication with the club from then on in for a, a good amount of time before we tried to wrap our heads around what was going on and um so the whole saga went for quite a while um oh that was like that was so that when's that like late March or whenever it was just before mm-hmm. round one and and we ended up um not accepting our ban until um like nearly just pre-finals like so it was sort of went for a whole year but we weren't allowed to, you know f- for a long time as i said we weren't allowed to have contact with the club which is kind of it's not ideal for them because they're out in the, you know they don't they need some information though they'd like some information mm. he's bucks trying to communicate with us and he's just trying to help um you know we can't really tell him you know all the information that he potentially wants or or you know would be helpful for him and and so i felt like a bit of an idiot in that regard but um you know, a lot of the boys at the club were, you know, understanding to a certain degree, and and you know were, were you know, stick by us, and I end up spending the whole year. I think Joshy ended up going back to Queensland pretty quickly, but I end up spending the whole year in um in Melbourne, um just because I started doing my uh, MBA after that. Yeah. So, um my thought process through the whole time was like, well, I don't want to waste. Once I realised that it was probably going to be that two year ban, um. I was like, "Well, I don't want to waste the two years, I, you know, I want to be able to if, you know." And at the time as well, I was like, "Well, um probably not going to play footy again." And so what's next, kind of thing. And then um so I started the NBA. Um it was lucky enough that I'd finished my undergrad already and and um got stuck into that and then one thing led to, le- led to another. Again, I'm not too sure of the time frame, but it looked like that would potentially be able to get back into the, into the AFL system. Um and so that was reassuring because um, you knew you, you had some sort of path set yeah. out for the next couple of years. Um, whereas on the flip side, if it wasn't back in the AFL system, it would have been, you know, uni and then what's next kind of thing. So I was able to, you know, it gives you a bit of peace of mind yeah. that you can, you know, structure, you know, something that looks like the, or you, you know where you're going to be in a couple of years' time and, and then fill in the blanks kind of thing.
0: Through that time of like the shit hitting the fan, becoming public, Colin with the biggest club. Like oh, I can remember how big that was in the AFL. What was like? How did you deal
1: with that mentally? Like, how were you in that time? Were you all right? Um, yeah, I wasn't too bad. Like, um, it was it was it was funny because again, it was it was all some of it was quite surreal, and then it's like I haven't been in these situations before, and um, one thing that probably helped is the uh, unfortunate for him, but like fortunate for myself that Josh was part of it as well. Yeah. Like. And so you sort of feel like you're going through it. You're obviously going through it together, yeah. And you're in this. It's just the same playbook for him. And so um, you know, you've got him. You've got your, um, you know, family, extended family. You have got your friends who are sticking by. Mm. Um, they just understand that what you did was a mistake. And um, actually, the the hardest bit was calling me old man. Yeah. Oh, I was, I was shitting myself. And so I I ended up call. I called mum first. So I went the the easy way out first. Yeah. And i was like oh Mum, when dad gets home tell him that you know i gotta talk to him blah blah and then i end up talking to dad and he's like you did what Mm. i was like oh um i had you know i did some drugs and he's like you got an issue i was like oh no just only a handful of times and i you know shouldn't have done that and you know i I won't do it again and he's like all right no worries get on with it kind of thing uh, was he was pretty good in a way like he i think was just way Again, for my health, yeah. To start with, like if you got an issue, like let's get let's let's get on top of it, and then quickly turn to all right. Well, what's next? You know, how can we help? Kind of thing. Mm. And so he that my family were great, friends were great. Um, Joshy was obviously um, calm head as well. Manager, um, the AFL PA were great at the time too. Lawyer. So I just had a, a great bunch of people around me that yeah. to steer me through the situation. As I said, early days it was in mind just boggles like you're just a bit frazzled you don't know and these guys just set out this path you know like there's no real playbook for that because mm. it was sort of one of the first ones but um set about a bit of a playbook and i just sort of you know step by step just rolled it out and it was um I and it was you know easy enough in the end and i really i actually i haven't told too many people this but i i've really enjoyed those two years like two of my you know most enjoyable years that I've had, you know, um, was able to travel, travel to the states at the end of the f- that f- that first season, and then me and Josh were able to go to um, do European summer as well. So it was like it wasn't all doom and gloom. And what I did was like obviously you should you you cop what you get because mm-hmm. you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. But I um, was lucky enough that I got to do start my MBA, put a lot of time and effort into that travel. I, you know, I was I was moving back into like the second year. When I moved back to Queensland. I was moving back into home at twenty seven. I think most people move out at twenty seven. I was mm. moving back in, and so that was great. I got to hang out with sisters. For, I had, not you know, like I got four younger sisters, so that got to hang out with them. You know, they, you know, that you only see two or three times a year. So I was seeing them them every week, and you know, just catching up with fam. It was just great. It was, yeah, I really enjoyed the time. To be honest,
0: yeah, it's it's funny because I hate I hate the word. I hope that this story today isn't the hero of this show, of this podcast because it's a small story in your story, but it's also really important because I wanted to show that there's such another side to you that people might not have seen and it annoys me that maybe, and this is a question in here somewhere, is like, does it ever annoyed you because I know it annoys me and not that this is something that a lot of people would think or I'm not sure what people would think, but that that is connected to you because i can think of a million other people that this story suits better like <laughs> yeah. it just doesn't knowing you and hearing your feet today and, and people understand this like that just isn't you and what i'm trying to say is like is that something that you know frustrates you or have you taken the better side from like you said and gone now fuck it i'm gonna learn from it
1: commit to my nba and become a better person off field yeah well it doesn't really bother me at all to be honest um you know people can think what they think like mm. like i've um people can form their own opinions but um what what matters most to me is the people that're close to me like you yeah. know yourself and my family members and all that kind of stuff and I feel like um if people truly know you then that'll shine through yeah. with the people that that, that matter the most mm. in, in a certain way and I don't I just don't buy into any you know I I I don't know who says that like it was funny because I get a few barbs still across you know across the boundary line every now and again which it kind of, it kind of makes me laugh yeah cuz it's you know I remember my one of my first games back I was playing – um, in the twos um, at the Holden Centre there and um, and it was against Box Hill I think Mitch Lewis actually took me for a, like he, he he was one of his first years or something like that and he he started playing some pretty good footy. he kicked like two or three and a quarter and the Box Hill boys were behind the goal and they were just giving it to me yeah. and I couldn't help but laugh because what are you going to do like it's you know that's all part of it but um um even when I, when I go and pay the pies nowadays some of the pies supporters you know get stuck turn. in me about that yeah. and, but like I mean you you make your bed you sleep in it kind of yeah. thing and it's, it it doesn't it's water off a duck's yeah. back for me cuz it's just yeah I, I I really don't care what people it's, think it, mate,
0: it's it's that's you know and we've never had this chat before about this and not because uh like it's been weirder or anything, just cuz like I don't think it's necessary um but it's funny hearing you say that cuz it like in me in that situation or anyone else in that situation I feel like people would really care and it's admirable you have been able to keep that like that mindset
1: yeah and maybe because like well at the time you played for collingwood big club. big club yeah um so so there's that there was also at the time was the essen drug saga was yeah. still going so we were almost put in the like whatever like it was sort of sec. it was like the it was like the sec. This, you know after the f- first couple of weeks it was like whatever Essendon is still doing their thing you know mm. and so there was there was that um and then i kept a pretty low profile i mean i remember the first week actually i um i lived in this little two-bedroom apartment on the first floor just in south yarra and um we had there was there was two ways to get in and out there's like our front door and then there was like you could go through the other apartment building and go through the back door it was just this old art deco kind of thing and the first week i remember leaving my house like first day and there was media at the front of the house I'm like, what is these guys doing? Here? And they're trying to run out. And then I've got my bike, and I just drive around, right mm-hmm. off. I was going because Josie just lived across Faulkner Park there. And um, for a week after that, I was like, I'm not going through the front door again because they were still out. I was like, what? Come on, guys, yeah. I get it. But like, yeah. and I don't know how they got my address. Like, how do people find that shit out? I don't know. But I was going out the back door, and I I just remember thinking like, these boys probably think I'm a hermit crab. Yeah. didn't want to come out? I was spending the whole week doing whatever I wanted because I was going out the back door and these poor—I don't even know who it was job, it was just got to you know store. Stay someone. there. I was just like poor, poor people got to do that. But um, and 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 maybe you know like me and Josh were kind of small fry yeah. in a way. Like we were, we're not big names. Um, not you know not some of the better players in the comp. So it's sort of a, maybe that was a bit whatever. Josh again moved back to Queensland pretty early. Um, I spent just that first sort of. Eight to nine months in um, in Melbourne, and then end up moving back to Queensland in the second um, for the second year anyway. And it was just sort of like business as usual because you're back home, you're living with parents, no one knows what footy is up there anyway. To a certain extent, it was sort of like you keep you know close eye on your team and, yep. and how the boys are going, and um, and we were just training away in the background. Has there been a moment
0: in your career where you've realised something the most? Like it might have been that time or another time where you've just learned something about yourself and being like, fuck, this has been a good experience
1: or like what have you taken out of it? Not so much. Like I've I pride myself in sort of just being pretty level-headed at yeah. all times. Like obviously like that's a bit of a curveball and you you got to deal with it. But um, again, I was just so lucky to have good people around me that just like steer me on that straight yeah. and narrow in, in in a lot of regards. Almost like set out some goals from like once I realized, all right, two-year ban. What's next? What's next? Mm. Um you know, like how am I, how am I going to you know, become a bit like not a better person, but like, how am I going, make to, the most how am I going to make it, most of it? How am I going to, how am I going to, you know, there's, here's an opportunity to do some things that I might not have been able to do, travel, see the world, um, do my MBA. you know, really um, knock that over, um, you know, from a, almost like a full-time perspective rather than a part-time as, as you would be able to do um, if you were playing footy. So, um, and that was, so, that was really challenging actually just doing the MBA Cause I'm not, I'm not the smartest or the brightest guy going around. I just, feel like I put enough time and effort into something that you you get enough out of it well you'd be how many players in the AFL would have finished an NBA yeah I wouldn't I don't know I don't know what the number is but I I assume it's it's quite tough only because if you do your undergrad as a a part-time undergrad it takes a long time Mm. like you however many years how how long has it taken you well my undergrad was um (laughs) I don't know if it's it was a little bit backdoor like AFL early days, just doing some interesting, you know, do a subject here, do a subject there, um, did some full days, a lot of stuff in the off season. Um, so I was lucky enough to do, finish my undergrad. Oh, it would have taken me five years. Um, and then I was able to start the um, the NBA, which was essentially three years full time, but it took me about four years. I did those two years basically full time and then um, when I got to the Giants, I was able to do it on a part time basis, but it was lucky enough because it was all online that excuse me i could I could do that and so I was able to finish in the back end oh I finished it um yeah, just at the end of my first year at the Giants so yeah. lucky enough and then I've sort of gone back and done bits and pieces since then but um yeah i i mean it was it was it was definitely tough like it was just a lot of hours um I can appreciate those guys that do it you know. Doing their job and then have to do an NBA at nine o'clock at night. You know, I was lucky enough that I didn't. I was yeah. basically my job at the time, and so it, it took me. You're know, putting again. I'm not the smartest guy, so I got to, it's more a, my my mine's more a time spent rather than a um you know real efficiency. Yeah. I think you're uh, I think you're underselling yourself. Before we get into what's next for you,
0: I want to just talk about your Giants journey over the last sort of how long have you been? Four years now. Is your fourth season or fifth? Four or five. Unbelievable. Sort of lose like, track. Eh? Did Did you think? Like that meeting, that day that you know when we talk about now, they obviously picked you over me. So I don't think I don't think we were competing for the same role. Um, it's fair to say, but that day that we went up together, and I remember getting the call back um, from Leon a couple of days later, and he called me. He goes, "Um, I, hey, mate." I was like, "Yeah, good." He goes, "Yeah, we're gonna go with Keefy." I was like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, now nah, it's probably a good call to be honest. It's, it fits a bit better. You've been there for five years and you've done incredible things, um, but." Yeah, I think it's been, like, nearly a whole new... what I don't know, from an outside perspective, the way you've been able to, like, fit into that club, have the respect from the playing group that you do, which I know you do, and I've been lucky enough to see how much everyone loves you. Not just loves you, but, like, the play. I've never seen a player that doesn't, like, suck up to coaches, be, like, more respected with coaches. I don't... Is it because you're, like, 35 that you can... I don't know, relate to these guys, but you just have such good relationships with everyone at the footy club? Was that... Did you, what I'm trying to say is did you learn that from probably your time off in footy or was it just you just rocked up being like this is what I want to be and who's who I am
1: I oh, I think that was great in me early days from the old man yeah like just a respect like a respect thing like you're never always going to agree with the coaches like yeah. like if I was there, I was if I was in match committee and I'm picking the team and, and like so the team that runs out this weekend my team that I pick is not going to be the same as Leon's no like I, I dare say and everyone else has got their own opinions and 90% of it is probably the same and then you know, or even like the way we potentially play or whatever, that kind of stuff. But in the end of the day, like the coach is the guy that picks, you know, he's picks a team or the line coaches, um, tells you how the back line wants to play this week or the matchups or whatever. And you just, that's, I mean, you know, getting rid of hierarchy it's just a respect thing. Mm. Like it's, that's, um, and so, um, my whole thing all along was, oh, this is, this is your role. This is, you just, you got to play it. And mm. I think, um, yeah, especially if, especially if, um, you know, in a team environment, like I, I think, not not t- coaches gravitate towards that, but it, it makes their job probably a lot easier. It does. You know, I, I just I, I just feel like I've always been that way, so it's just natural for me. It's not like it's not a hard thing to do. It's not. A, you know, it's like, oh, Liam wants me to do this. You know, just just do it. Yeah. yeah, and it it comes back to the
0: point. Like you know, if you've got two blokes that are dropped out of the team and they're playing in the twos and one's there with a good attitude that will do anything to get back in, or you've got the other bloke, probably me sooking why they're not, you know, getting a game or not getting an opportunity, they're always going to go back to the bloke they can trust that's got the good attitude. Yeah. And, well, And also like... And um, so that's what I saw and admired most, you know, from you because it, you'd often never really start the year, but you'd always finish it. Yeah. And I think that's on a list. When you've been on a list in a long time and, and you have, and, and I was on a list for eight years, you never want to play the first 10 games. You always want to play the last 10 because that's when it really matters and that's when the contracts are handed out and that's when they pick the real team.
1: Yeah, yeah, in there. Oh, you clearly want to play all year. But yes, um, yes, yeah, sorry. I'm I think 40- I've only played a handful <laughs> yeah. of um round ones, like I yeah. I think it's my 14th year or 15th year or yeah. Yeah, whatever it is. And I mean with with a couple off in the middle, but yeah. um and I've only yeah, I've only played three or four round ones. And so but like I I've like I came from I started from so far back, like soccer you know, soccer kid, he's 80 kilos coming in and trying to you know, learn the game. I didn't even know what out of the bounds for was, you know, like, and, and, and then so I feel like I'm still not even a finished product, you know, yeah. I'm 32 now, and that's, you know, when, you know, age is an interesting topic in AFL circles or in sporting circles in general, but I still feel like I'm playing the best footy I have, you know, and feel stronger than I have, fear than I am, you know, like, and so there's no, I don't put it, you don't put a ceiling on yourself, like, in terms, or, or like, there's always this constant pursuit of trying to get better, like whatever that looks like. You know, like the game evolves. You play different positions. Um, you always get stronger. You can always mm-hmm. get fitter. You know, like I always that's that's what I, that's why I love playing sport because you, you're at the highest level, and we're talking about the smallest percentages here, and you're just trying to gain some sort of you know advantage over over or your, your, your teammates and your opposition, um, and just finding out things about yourself that you just didn't think were capable of. You know, like and so. I love surrounding myself with people who like getting after it and, you know, like challenging themselves and, and want to get the best out of themselves. So. Mm. And that's like a knowledge thing, too. That's why I liked, you know, that's why I did the MBA. And uh, you and I, we, it was a bit of a joke where we always read books. I always, I love reading books, read, love learning about stuff, you know, random, you know, whether it's, you know, finance or philosophy or, you know, psychology, nutrition, whatever it is. I just sort of like, sort of like taking it all in and, you know, I thought I knew it all at 25 but I'm now 30 well, nearly 32 and I'm I know how far away I'm you know from so many subjects and so many <laughs> meeting new people learn new things you know it's, I just love taking it all in in footy or anything but what's been something you're most proud
0: of yourself with what would you say is anything that stand out to you like the NBA is obviously a big one but
1: if you if you told if you what that that old cliche you told myself you know that 17 year old kid who's graduating is going to do an undergrad, do the masters. Yeah. I went back and did a, um, another um, graduate course in applied finance. Um, then he's that kid that played soccer when he was seventeen, and he's—I mean, I've—I've I've only chalked up eighty odd games, but I've—you know—fifteen, you know, fourteen, fifteen years on the list, mm. still going. Thirty-two, you know, like when I got the ask from the pies the first time, I was like, oh, eight years, nine years—that's not bad, you know. Like I'm pretty chuffed with that. Yeah. You know, again, from from the kid who, you know, grew up in Gympie that knew nothing about, you know, didn't even know what a latte was or a focaccia. Actually, I got a funny story about my first, if we can backtrack, but my first um, my first day at the Pies, Nick Maxwell invited me to lunch. Like, this is a good dog, you know, Maxie, I've seen that he's got respect already. Like he's one of the, you know, he's like, I think he was 25 at the time, whatever. Um. Yeah, come to lunch, you know, I was like, yep, no worries. And it was like me, him, Nathan Brown, and then we went there, and it was all like um, you know a couple of the oldest crew, like uh, yeah, Shane your Ryan Loney's, um, and then Bucks was there as well. And I'm looking at the menu, and I'm like, I don't even like Gimpy doesn't even have cafe, uh, cafes. Yeah. They got Macca's and they got KFC, you know. I'm like looking at this menu, and I'm going, um, "Fakasha, what's that?" And he's like, "Oh, it's, you, know, you get chicken schnitzel, put a bit of bread on it, a bit of." Oh. I was like, "Yeah, all right, that, that sounds good." So come out, um, this is the old cheeky monkey on Swan Street. And um, and it's got, you know, the focaccia has got the chips and I'm like, you know, and then Bucks is there and he's like, are gonna eat that? I'm like, of course I'm gonna eat it, man. I'll just order it. What do you think? Yeah. I'm, like, I'm gonna eat it. And I, at the time I didn't even know he's having a cheeky dig at me. Cause he's like, you don't eat chips. You're a professional footballer. And I'm like, what do you mean? New I don't even know what nutrition is, you know? And so that was like, and looking back, I'm like, he's a bloke who's, you know, trying to set the standard early, you know, like, and here I am, not even what my focaccia is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what a latte is and I don't even know that chips are bad for you. So, uh, and then turn full circle now, I, yeah. Now You're I'm having fighting machine. LSA and hemp seeds on my wheat bix you know, like there's just little things like that. Hey, one thing um, I love
0: talking about is what's next for you, what's next in life because- Um, As you said, you've probably still got another five years left. But you can always tell, and now that I'm out of the game, I I feel like you can always sort of look back on your career and you can always tell guys um, that are going to go well post-footy. And it's not necessarily the best players. It's actually sometimes quite the opposite because it's the ones that have had to fight and hustle and do study outside of it. And a lot like Matt DeBoer, I'm extremely excited for your transition out of footy because I know it's going to be even bigger and better than your footy career. has. And that's saying something because it's been incredible. What's your goals... Outside footy, and, and what do you want to sort of get into? Where, where are you at? I don't even know what an NBA fucking means, to be honest. So, you're gonna have to really.
1: I don't even know if it matters anymore, yeah, does it? No, I don't think so. Um, yeah, so like uh, I've done it a little bits and pieces, and I don't know. I don't. I, um, to answer your question straight up, I don't actually know too much. Like, I know exactly what I want to do. Mm. Um, but again, like, a, like I align myself with these these people like Matt DeBoer. Like, you just like, again, he's another guy played X amount of games at Frio come over here done really well he's now played 200 something plus games like just he's just a he's just a machine mm. like and, and a lot of people would just look at you know who don't know him and I think I was definitely one of these guys like I'm like Matt DeBoer that, you know, that bloke from Frio yeah. he, he sucks yeah literally and then, he, and then he gets to the club and you're like Geez, he's a good fellow and it yeah. actually hurts you to say he's a really good fellow I, I hated him Um, I f- like he, he uses the terminology like leveling up like I feel like I'll level it up just because I met him mm. you know like People like this are like just bring you so much energy, and this bloke's always on. Like no. he's always on, and he's and he's always after it. And I'm like, and then I look back and go, well, what am I doing? You know, like if he can do it, what can you know, like and then so you're trying to level up, just trying to follow him, you know. And so like I've been I've been blessed with you know meeting a lot of people like that along the way, you know, um, you know, you know Nick Maxwell you had on the other day, like just just a superhuman. Learned so much from him in terms of leadership and. Just how to go about it as a you know good human. Um, people like Matt DeBoer, even Josh Thomas is like he's he's doing great things now. He's 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 a cent- I did mean, he Just
0: move to New York and do some stuff. Is he? He did, did a bit of.
1: Um, he was fortunate enough to um, meet a guy in Boston um, uh, that, that works at a venture capital firm. He he went over there and um, he's just done a sort of three month internship over there, oh, yeah. paid his way. Um, but put himself in a in a in a financial situation where he's um, uh, able to basically take you know six to a year six months to a year off and wow. and have no issue about doing that and be able to go and again pay his way over to Boston, get the experience, um, come back. Hopefully, you know, it, I, I, not hopefully he'll find a way. Like you, you just know the guys. As I said, will find a way. Like I, I like I feel like I'll be. If I continue to get after it and, and you know look to improve and learn and all that kind of stuff, I, I just feel like everything will work out. Mm. Um, again, it's uh, I'm not entirely sure what I want to do. Um, and covid's is throwing a bit of a spanner in the works as I'm looking to do because um, I've done all the, th- the theory to a certain extent. I mean, again, you're always learning but I was looking to do some internships and COVID obviously throw that threw that out and now a lot of people work from home so it's hard to actually get go in. Go yeah. in and they're not at the same time. But we just I am trying to work through that at the moment and um with footy still being the priority. I um you know, I'd like to think I've got still a couple of, you know, good years left in me, you know, hopefully two, three, four, you know, that kind of stuff. So um but um I understand that you, there's this great opportunity now to set yourself up for post footy um i mean you went you definitely went through it yourself mm. um you know got admira- adm- admiration for yourself as well so um yeah you know just, I, just I, I i get i get real joy and real um you know real energy of seeing these guys go about it and and um understand that there's an the ability to do it and um you know they they sort of pave the way and um again not sure what it's, what it looks like but looking forward to actually you know getting into a great environment, um, meeting some really good people and, and getting after it. It's
0: exciting, mate. I'm very excited for you. Um, and yeah, I think I've, I've said it a lot today but I really admire what you are as a person, your values and everything you've taught me. Like through that time, I remember you said that, you know, the leveling up thing with Made Boer, and I, I definitely got that from him but I think just that, nearly that culture of, of a lot of guys that were there like yourself and and others that just made me go, fuck, I need to, I need to do something in my life. Like, you know, these people have got got um goals and i don't want to harp on this too much with like heaps of quotes and stuff we do say it a lot like you are who you surround yourself with and i think that's a beautiful part in a footy club is you can surround yourself with good blokes but just maybe not at that time when they want to do something for their um outside life yet or they're not not in that mode to grow yet because we've probably both been in that system but even in life in people's friendship groups are in now always say like you you are literally who you surround yourself with? If you're hanging around with drop kicks, like you, you're probably going to be a dropkick.
1: Yeah, and you can, you can like I think naturally, like I definitely did early days. You, you put a cap on yourself as well, mm. like and I used to. It wasn't like um, I used to like have negative self talk as a joke. Like I used to joke about it. Yeah, like oh I'm shit at footy and oh I'm you know, like I should be like yeah, but I actually suck, so I can't do that. You know, like and I used to share a locker next to Steel Sidebottom, and he used to tell me all the time like. You gotta stop saying that shit, you know, like and I was like, Oh, it's only a joke, you know? Yeah. And then once I've met a few people, you know, great the great Gary Goro. Yeah. Um, spent a bit of time with him um, who is a meditation coach. Yeah, mindfulness, mindfulness coach. um, meditation does a bit of bits and pieces. But he talks about just like um you know, like there's this positive self talk and and if you you can manifest it to a certain degree. Yeah. Um and so that that was something that really changed when I got to the to the Giants in terms of like and and that's helped me, you know, tenfold. But again, meeting people along the way, like I, just, this is this is great opportunity at football clubs. To there's a lot of people that would, will, if you, um, put out the olive branch, they'll they'll help out. Yeah. Yeah. Nick crockerine I haven't met yet Nick yet, but I've had a bits to do with him over Zoom and and mm-hmm. through Athletic Ventures. And what a what a weapon! Like what oh, a great put human. Um, just Justin Lippmann's another one that and Matt introduced me to. Like just just a just these guys are like super impressive guys and in my head it's like it's so far from you know like anything the realm of possibility for me early days but now the, the more i get to know them and the more like nick talks about himself like nick talks himself down well they all do but yeah these guys are so impressive to me but he probably looks at me and go like oh was you you know five years ago yeah. you know like there's just gonna put the work in
0: well don't you know like that that thing as well as like if you don't see or hang around or meet people that have done things you can't see it so like you don't yeah. know what's possible till you see someone else do it yeah or you do it yourself you're like fuck i didn't realize i could i could literally do that like and for me like if i can go out of footy and have a job like you can fucking do anything you know what I mean? it's yeah. really it's
1: really interesting but um and it's not it's not i mean it's not people think it's so far out of their realm no and it's, not. it's not and you just but you just got to put you you also it's not it's not going to happen like, like a lot of guys get stuck in these footy clubs or in the footy environment and it's like it'll just happen but you just you got to go and put the work in you got to go and you got to reach out you know read this you know put the time and effort in and good things happen to good people you know like it's and I mean it's not going to be perfect like it's you know but it that's well that's my mentality you know I just feel like in the end it'll work out if you put the work in like,
0: mate incredible you nailed that thank you so much for your time i just rambled on for it no i love it. that's that's a po- welcome to the podcasting yeah, game. Yeah, yeah i've just been like noticing lately i've been seeing all these trends on tiktok which you don't watch and it's like life as a podcaster and they just talk absolute shit and keep coming up with quotes i'm like oh my god that's exactly me Like, i'm gonna stop doing that but then i'm like well that's fucking what podcasting is so i can't i can't stop um you
1: enjoy it. So your first it. one first one yeah yeah long time listener <laughs> yeah good but uh, first podcast. oh yeah, I love man. Just, I love what you're doing, it's great. Um I appreciate you giving me the time to tell a bit of my story, but um mate, there were, honestly there was probably another hour in there, so I think we'll have to um we'll have to catch back up and get another one. Yeah, we'll we'll get we'll just we'll maybe the microphones we'll go and get a beer and yeah. just talk absolute dribble. <laughs> Done. Thanks, brother. Thanks, bro.
0: Thanks for listening to the Dylan Friends podcast. If you like the show it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, leave a review, or even share with your friends.